Welcome aboard New Hope Radio, the Hope Club Podcast. Great to be with you today, because we got something good to talk about. And uh, what I want to talk about, I think, is something that most of us, if not all of us, can identify with at one time or another in our lives. I think it's safe to say that we have all faced at least one battle sometime in life, and probably one of those battles seemed like going up against a really big giant. Something intimidating, scary, and very powerful looking. See, when you face a giant, you have one of two choices. Number one, in fear, you can run away. Or, number two, in fear, you can attack. Because you know what courage is? Courage isn't a lack of fear. It's going forward in spite of your fear. We're looking at the life of David, and we're deriving lessons for our own lives, because like we said last time, our lives can run kind of parallel to David's life. You know, a lot of the uh, happenings of his life kind of parallel our lives as well. Not literally, but in the same sense, and we'll see as, as time goes on. Uh, the, the, the thought we wanted to keep driving home right from the beginning is that life is a schoolhouse of learning. And when you walk out your door in the morning, you're entering into God's classroom, and there's always something to learn. So today we talk about how to fight those battles, how to face those giants. In our spiritual battles, we got to remember two things. Number one, here it comes. No matter how big the giant is, God is greater. Number two, no matter how powerful the giant may be. God is all-powerful. What do you think of that? He's all-powerful. So we're going to set the scene, and many of you are familiar with the story. Even people far from God are familiar with the story of David and Goliath. The battleground between the armies of Israel and the Philistines was like a canyon. I've been there. I've seen it. More like a valley. And on one, on one hill stood one army. Across the valley on the other hill was the other army. And nearby was a stream. And the stream where David went to re- retrieve five smooth stones that he would take in, into his battle with Goliath. So we're going to pick it up in 1 Samuel 17, verse 1. Now the Philistines... They gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. And they camped between Soko and Azekah. Verse 2, Saul and the men of Israel, they were gathered and camped in the valley of Elah. And they drew up in battle array to encounter the Philistines. Oh yeah, man, They're, they're dressed for the fight, right? That's what they are. Dressed for the fight. Well, the Philistines, 
They stood on, they stood on the mountain on one side, while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side. It wasn't really a mountain, it was just a high hill. And the valley was between them. And then verse 4, a champion. He came out from the armies of the Philistines. He was named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Like what? How do you go to a gentleman's warehouse, get fitted for a suit, say, well, how tall are you? I'm six cubits and a span. What's he talking about? Well, a cubit is between 18 and 24 inches. We're going to call it 18 inches. And a span is the distance from the tip of your little finger to the tip of your thumb. It's about six inches. So Goliath was about nine feet, six inches tall. Wow. Like, if he stood on his toes, he could bump a basketball rim with his head. Okay. So the principle still rings true. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God, oh, he looks at the heart. So verse 5 begins to describe Goliath. Oh, he had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was clothed with scale armor. You know, scale armor is like, it was still like the scales on a fish. You know, the armor is just little, little plates laid over each other. And it weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. He also had bronze greaves on his legs, kind of like shin guards, like a hockey player. And a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. Wow. And the head of the spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield carrier also walked before him. Now, the shield was probably a big shield. And like, I feel bad for that carrier. <laughs> he had to carry that big shield. Man, maybe he was a big guy too. I don't know. So note, we got this description of Goliath. Giants always look intimidating. That's why they call giants, because they look so intimidating. Goliath not only looked huge and intimidating, but he also looked perfectly protected. He looked indestructible, impossible to overcome. When you saw this guy, you're like, oh, no, man, no way. No way, Jose. This guy, he's too big. He's too protected. His weapons are, they're, they're, you can't match him. Now, no one can take this guy down. So Israel has an enemy. And this enemy looks. Notice I said looks. It's all about looks. Intimidating. Looks indestructible. Looks like the obvious victor. But like any giant in life, he challenges the faith of the believer. And in verse 8, he stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel. And he said to them, Now picture this big giant guy on a hill yelling across a valley to the army of Israel. Why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Yeah, why are you guys all dressed up for the fight? But you don't want to fight. You just stand there looking good, taking pictures. He said, am I not the Philistine and you, the servants of Saul? He says, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. Pick one. Do rock, silver, rock paper, scissors. 
whatever it is, and pick one guy. Let him come down. Fight me. And if he's able to fight with me and kill me, we'll become your servants. But if I prevail and kill him, then you will become our servants and you will serve us. That's the way war should be fought, one-on-one. Forget sending thousands of men to the battlefield. One-on-one, that's the way it should be fought. You know, I think of a New Testament commentary as to why there are giants in our lives. Why do we have giants in our lives? Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. He said, hmm, test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. You know what giants do? They get us to look at our faith. The intimidating aspects of life, the scary parts of life, they get us to look at our faith. They try us and they test us. Where am I with God? That's why we have them. So he's got a challenge and his challenge, it was relentless. The Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days, and he took his stand. I'm like, what? Every morning, every night, he came out and he antagonized the army of Israel, and he did it for a month and 10 days. Nag, 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 nag. That's what he was. He's just a naga, a nagamony. That's what he was. And you know, some giants are like that. They just won't quit. There are giants that nag us and they won't quit. The giant of fear or the giant of worry or anxiety. Oh, how about the giant of lust? Keeps popping up its ugly head. The giant of selfishness and greed. The giant of gossip. Oh, these things, they hammer at the believer every single day. Some of these giants, man, they just don't go away until you defeat them. Now, what's the giant's real tactic? What was Goliath's tactic? And the giants in our lives, they're the same thing. And you know what it is? To get you to compare your human strength with his. And Goliath was very successful. He got everybody in the Israeli army to look at their strength and then look at his strength and then say, you know what? I'm not fighting that guy. They were making a wrong comparison. And that's why the giants in our lives today, we can look at how powerful they might be, worry, anxiety, fear, lust, selfishness. And we might think, oh, I don't have what it takes to overcome them. They're relentless. And maybe so. But today we're going to see, oh, who's the real giant? Who's the real giant in this story? You know who the giant is? Young David. He's just a teenager. But he is the real giant in the story. David went to the battlefield, but he had no intention of fighting. Why, why was he there? Well, because his father said to him, I want you to take some food to your brothers. I got this ephah of roasted grain and some loaves of bread, and I want you to go to the camp. 
and I want you to bring this food to your brothers and bring some of this cheese to their commander. And then I want you to look into the welfare of your brothers and, and let me know how they're doing. So David, he's on a, on a mission for his father to bring his brothers lunch and see how they're doing. They're in the army. You know, some of God's greatest servants never intended in serving God in the capacity that he called them into. The Apostle Paul, he was just Saul, a Pharisee. He never intended on being the great apostle, but God called him. The disciples, they were just simple people, catching fish, collecting taxes, and they became world changers. How about Gideon? When God found Gideon, he just wanted to bake some bread, that's all. Just let me bake some bread. And God made him a general. He beat the Midianites. Moses, where was he? Tending sheep. And he became the deliverer. Now, put your name there. You might consider yourself common, simple, ordinary. But you know what? That's who God uses. Oh, yeah. God uses everyday people. That's how he gets the glory. He uses everyday people. So David brought the lunch out to his brothers, and he heard the rants of Goliath challenging the army of Israel. Now, no one in the army had what it took to fight this giant. Like I said, Goliath was very successful in getting them to compare their ability to his, their strength to his. So in verse 24, when all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him, and they were greatly afraid. So Goliath comes out, he's yelling at the army, and they're all backing up. They're backing up. Wow. And the men of Israel, you know what they said? Have you seen this man? Have you seen this guy who's coming up? Oh, surely he's coming to defy Israel. Oh, look at this guy. And they said, it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. So they're saying, listen, if you kill this giant, the king is going to make you wealthy, give you his daughter, and you'll never have to pay taxes again. So what's wrong with these soldiers? Maybe they kept looking at the giant. Hmm. Yeah, but have you seen this man? Maybe Saul's daughter wasn't that desirable. <laughs> Maybe that was the deal breaker. Oh, man, I don't want to marry her. <laughs> I don't know. But remember Peter? Peter kind, of, Peter kind of, you know, he should have read this story. And maybe he wouldn't have almost drowned. He's out there walking on the water, right? Jesus says, come on. He's walking on the water. He's doing pretty good. Then he takes his eyes off Jesus and puts them on the water. Kaplunk. He sinks. Why? Because what you, oh, I like this. What you keep looking at could destroy you. Did you get that? What you keep looking at could destroy you. Peter looked at the water. He almost drowned. The soldiers are looking at the giant. They were afraid. You no, know, the Apostle John, 
in his little letter, 1 John 2.16, you know what he said? For all that is in the flesh, and then he names it, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. It's not from the Father. It's from the world. So let me ask you, you see that person at work every day? Maybe your life's not going that great. Maybe your marriage is struggling. And there she is. And there he is. And you keep looking and looking and looking. Oh, you see that car that you can't afford? You need a car. Oh, I like that car. Can't afford it, though. But you keep looking and looking and looking. And you know what happens? If you look long enough, you enter into destruction. That's what will happen. Because what you keep looking at will destroy you. So there are three dangerous occupations or things to be occupied with. Number one, the lust of the flesh. It's your feelings. When you live by your feelings, you're going to get in trouble. Then there's the lust of the eyes. When you live by looking. And when you keep looking at that which is prohibited, you're going to get in trouble. And then there's the pride of life. And that's the wanting. I want it. I want it. I shouldn't have it. But I want it. And that will destroy you. Three ways you don't want to go through life. By feeling, by looking, and by wanting. Now, why can't giants be left alone? Why can't you just ignore the giant? Because this guy, he stood and he shouted. That was verse 8. But now, we're all the way down to verse 25. And you know what's happening? He's coming up. (laughs) He's getting closer. This guy's not going away. No. See, if you tolerate a giant in your life, he'll take over your territory. Oh, yeah. He'll move right in. He certainly will. That's his goal, to move in and take over. Now, David's older brother, Eliab, He said to David, Why have you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Notice he had to throw in few. Why? He's trying to demoralize David. He didn't say, Who'd you leave the sheep with? Who did you leave those few sheep with? They obviously don't like them. He said, "I, I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart. You came down here just to see the battle. You came down here because you are nosy. You're nosy, David. That's why you came down here. Go back to those few sheep. You can't be trusted with a lot of sheep, but you got a few. Go back to the few. See, when I think about this, brother, there are always those who won't volunteer but they criticize those that do. Isn't that true? The brother won't go fight the giant, but he's criticizing his little brother. He's criticizing his little brother for wanting to see what's happening with the battle, but he won't go out and fight the battle. Oh, no. So you know what David did when his brother insulted him? He turned away from his brother 
because he wouldn't enter into the wrong battle. See, that was the wrong fight. He wasn't there to fight his brother. You don't want to get into that kind of stuff. He went to the other battlefield. Oh, yeah, that's where the real enemy was. And we have to remember that. We have to remember who is our real enemy. I'm going to tell you who it is. It's the devil. It's the devil. It's not people. It's Satan. So David went to King Saul. And he convinced King Saul to let him go and fight the giant. Took a little convincing, but finally, because I think the king was embarrassed. You know, Saul was the biggest guy in the army. And he wouldn't even fight him. And here comes this little shepherd boy. All right, go ahead. So David went down. He went down to the stream, got five rocks. The Bible calls it five smooth stones. Put them in his bag. Went out to the valley. Goliath comes walking out. He took out the bag and slung it, whipped it around his head, let it fly. And it struck the Philistine right in the forehead. That little spot where there was no helmet. (laughs) Dumb helmet. And the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. Now he knocked them out. In verse 50, thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Huh, unlikely weapons, but in the hands of God, very successful. And he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. What does that mean? That David didn't fight the giant on the giant's grounds. He fought the giant on God's grounds. That's how we fight our battles. In a spiritual way. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. You don't fight with natural weapons or weapons of our warfare. They're not carnal. They're spiritual. David was there in the name of God. He used weapons that people would never consider would would work on a giant, but David knew exactly what to do. So we're all familiar with the general understanding of this account. Face your giants with courage, and the Lord will give you the victory. Now, that's all well and good, but I've been thinking about another application as well, even different from your typical interpretation. Let's look at it like this. Goliath the giant is sin. Powerful, relentless, intimidating. The army of Israel is mankind. Fearful, without strength. David is Jesus Christ. Bold, aware of his mission, and he gave Goliath a mortal head wound. As we're told in Genesis 3.15, where Jesus said to to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. And he whacked Goliath right in the head. Eliab, David's older brother, he represents the Pharisees. You know what the Pharisees did? They hindered Jesus. They got in his way. They tried to stop him. And that's what Eliab did. Got in his way. Tried to stop David. Tried to humiliate him 
mock him, embarrass him. Everything the Pharisees did, his older brother did. Moral of the story, there are things in your life that can only be overcome by Christ. That's the need for salvation. And after salvation, that's the need for a daily walk with the Lord. Can you see it? Can you see the spiritual aspect of this story? Oh, we need, there are things in life, most things in life we cannot overcome without Christ. We do not have the human resources to do it. We can't overcome insecurity. We can't overcome a rocky marriage. We can't overcome struggling financially. We can't overcome low self-worth. But with Christ, we're more than overcomers. With Christ, we can be victorious. But what does it take? Number one, coming to Him to be saved. Number two, having a daily walk with Him, a relationship with Him. Why? Because He keeps on pouring His strength into us. We need that daily infusion of God's strength, of divine power, every day. Every day we need it. That's why we're here on the radio every day, and we have a podcast available on demand, so you can listen, and you can get that divine power poured into you through the Word of God. So it's for your own benefit. It's for your benefit that you receive the Word every day, so God can infuse you with His divine power. And then you'll be, oh yeah, an experiential overcomer. You know, everybody knows the story of David and Goliath, but I wonder how many really know how to make spiritual application. Well, you can hear this again at the Hope Club podcast. It's on our website at newhopecc.tv or anywhere you find podcasts. Just type in the Hope Club podcast. How to face your giant. It'll be right there, waiting for you. And share it with a friend. Christian, non-Christian, you never know. You never know how God the Holy Spirit will use the Word of God to touch someone's heart. Hey, you want to get a devotional every day? Go to newhoperadio.live. Check on, click on the menu bar. It'll explain everything to you. How to get a devotional every day. Start the morning off. Boom. First thing in the morning. Five or six minute devotional. Really get you tuned up for the day. That's important also. All right. Thanks for coming along today. I hope it helped. I'll see you next time.